the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Welcome, everybody, this afternoon to The Kingdom and Its Stories. We're glad to have you join us. And every week at this time, we're having another uh, series of interviews where we, where we hear these stories of how God is challenging his people to demonstrate his kingdom. And this morning, or not this morning, this afternoon, we have Chuck Foreman, who is the senior pastor of the First Christian Church here in Phoenix, Arizona. And I've known Chuck for a number of years and have been so impressed by how God has taken this church and caused it to have a vision for its community. And um, Chuck is with us. And we may hear birds in the background because he's uh, in this uh, in this time of uh, sequestering. He's in his backyard so that he doesn't bother his family who's in the house. And Chuck, welcome. We're glad to have you with us today. Thank you, Bob. Glad to be with you. My family is glad to have me outside in the backyard. <laughs> That's great. Uh, well, we're glad to have you, whether you're inside or you're outside. Uh, Chuck, tell us, you know, just give us a brief outline of of how your church transitioned. It was a major church here in the Phoenix area um, in an upper-middle-class neighborhood with a building designed by Frank Lloyd Wright. Um, how, did, how did that church transition from a, a church that was doing traditional church into a church— that really has an emphasis on loving the community. What's the story? Well, Bob, uh, when this first came upon us around the 1st of March, and most pastors in the Valley realized right away, even before it was suggested to us by <clears throat> the government, that we the loving thing for us to do and that's, I remember that's how Andy Stanley put it from Atlanta. He said, what does love require of us right now? And it absolutely without question meant we cannot gather in large group worship services right now because we just put uh, our church community at risk. Um, so we immediately suspended services, but our small groups were in full swing. We just finished a new training with our small group leaders, so we didn't really miss a beat. We encouraged them all to keep meeting and use Zoom, use technology to do so. 
And um, <clears throat> so that that was good. And then, you know, my we've really become a very blue collar community over the years. Um, a lot of working class people, not the well healed squeaky white community that FCC used to be. And we knew that there would be a lot of needs among us. So we, you know, our first our first thought was we need to make sure we're taking care of our people. Uh, we stepped up our food pantry, um, and that's in full swing on steroids right now. Uh, every week, helping to feed a lot of people. How many people Our do you think you're feeding on, I, on a weekly basis? Um, we're we're filling up and emptying out our food pantry every week. Hmm. Um, I, I don't really have a number on that, but it's it's become one of the key pieces on the plate of our care pastor, Kathleen Welcher here at FCC. She's doing a great job. Um, I, I immediately thought, okay, Lord, you are up to something in America, and maybe this is your way of calling your church here to a deeper commitment. The first mm-hmm. thing, I, you know, I started getting some pushback from people about, well, you're not going to call off church, are you? And um, I began to see, even with a lot of the conversation on social media around the country, that this was going to be difficult for American Christians to conceive of the church beyond our buildings and our large group gatherings. Mm-hmm. So I I really felt like, all right, Lord, this is at least one thing you have up your sleeve. You want to broaden our paradigm of who we are as your people, that we can still function, be your people, maybe even be better at it uh, by serving those in need, by loving each other, taking care of each other, if we have our large group assemblies taken away from us for a while. Um, So broadening the perspective of the church in the American Christian mind, I think, was one thing that the Lord had up his sleeve for us. And the other thing, Bob, that um, has come out is the, uh, the American Christian notion that our constitutional rights and freedoms are in the foreground of everything and that our faith somehow trails along behind that as American Christians. And I started seeing how our our notion of rights and freedoms and our politics sort of has become our faith in for a lot of American Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I've kind of uh, not intentionally necessarily, but inadvertently drawn a line in the sand, I think, with a lot of people, because I think, you know, the, the thing that we see clearly in Scripture is that followers of Jesus are called to and are free to give up their freedom, to give up their rights for the benefit of others. And what I'm what I've seen here is our government is not asking us to disobey God at all. They're just saying, hey, help us out here. Mm-hmm. Churches are among the super spreaders of disease right along with concert venues and sporting events. And we need you to help us out. And I thought, yeah, that's that makes total sense. The loving thing for us to do is to 
find other ways to be in community than cram into our building, you know, 300, 500 of us sitting shoulder to shoulder at time of a pandemic. It just makes no sense. And it doesn't mean that um, we can't be God's people. In fact, we are better at being God's people when we make sacrifices, when we inconvenience ourselves, when we put up with imposition Amen. for the benefit of others. Amen. For those for those who have just joined us, I, I want you to know that we're speaking with Chuck Foreman, who's the senior pastor of... Um, of, of <laughs> excuse me, I drew a, drew a blank there. Um, of uh, First Christian uh, Church here in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, Chuck is is uh, broadcasting with us from his backyard in order to protect his family who's sequestered in his house. And uh, so, Chuck, we're so glad to have you with us to help us to understand what God has spoken to you about about the role of the church in community. Mm-hmm. Chuck, if you can share us a few of the stories of how your church is specifically reaching out and how you're encouraging your people to reach out uh, as the hands and feet of Jesus to their neighbors. Okay. Thank you, Bob. And, uh, you know, what what we're seeing is that <clears throat> the stories that we're seeing unfold, are none of them are in the spotlight. They're not on the stage. They're not in the grandstand. They're often just very humble, quiet acts that people are doing to love and to serve that go kind of unnoticed. Um, but I'd like to give some some light to some of those. My story and my wife Kathy's story in this whole pandemic goes back to 2003 when we were serving as missionaries in Taiwan during the SARS pandemic Mm. that hit Asia uh, solid. And um, we lived on Taiwan, which is a small island off the southern coast of China, uh, populated by some 25 million people. It's about the size of Rhode Island. You could probably fit seven Taiwans inside the state of Arizona. Um, And we have about two, maybe two and a half times the population in Taiwan of Arizona. So tight, dense, and we were all wearing masks. The health department was out spraying streets, and people, the sick were quarantined in hospitals. One thing our church did was we made— in Taiwan. We made we made banners, and the church all over Taiwan just stepped up and— and did things like this. And we went outside of the hospitals with these banners that said, we love you, God loves you, we're praying for you. The sick, if they could get out of bed, were, would wave to us through their window in the hospital. And it was just, it made the newspapers, it was just tremendously encouraging. And so we, here in FC, at FCC, Kathy and I thought, all right, th- this is time for us to, as a church, to do some things like this. So um, we, our care pastor, created some calling teams that call our elderly on the phone every week, making sure they're okay. Um, we make food deliveries. Our, we have a quilting group at FCC called Reap What You Sew that makes some 3,000 quilts every year for 3, veterans. 
Oh yeah, for for um, preemie babies and foster kids, and they mm. retooled and started making masks. So we've made masks for people in our community and in our church. Um, we adopted Honor Health in Sunny Slope, the hospital, and just started writing encouragement cards to the staff there. And I deliver a stack of those up there every week mm. to the administration office, and they have a place in the hospital where they put those and staff can come by and read these encouraging notes to our first responders, our frontline people. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so we, uh, you know, we, we saw how Taiwan dealt successfully with the SARS epidemic and how they have dealt successfully with the right. coronavirus right. pandemic. And um, we, we thought, okay, we can do this. We, we need to be compliant, not defiant. We need to look for what God is doing and join him in his good work at this time. And that's what, you know, that's what we're called to do. First Peter 419, you know, he was writing to Christians who were horribly persecuted under Nero. And he said, those of you who suffer according to the will of God, which is something that is hard for us to swallow, um, continue to entrust yourself to your faithful creator and keep doing good. That's the bottom line for Amen. us. No matter Amen. what's happening, we look around, we see what God is doing, we join him in his good work. We don't throw our tantrums. We don't throw fits. We, we model the attitude of Christ to love and be concerned for others. We give up our rights. We put up with inconvenience so that God is honored and people are loved and helped and cared for. Um, and it's been, it's been beautiful just to see um, how moved and touched people are. Uh, my wife has started writing letters, like real snail mail, handwritten letters to people in our church that she knows are struggling, um, maybe feel a little bit isolated. They're dealing with grief at this time and, uh, or they're, you know, trying to deal with recovery at this time. And it's amazing the t the heart touch that happens when people receive something with a stamp on it. You know, that didn't happen too much anymore. Right. And uh, she's just blessed dozens of people in that way. It's a very simple act, and nobody knows about it really but her and the people that received the letter. Um, but that's a, that's another way. And there, she's not the only one. There are others in our church that are doing similar things just to express God's love to our most vulnerable. What are right some now. of those other things? <clears throat> um, well, we've got, we've got people that volunteer at our food pantry, so they show up in masks and gloves and assemble food boxes and go out and physically place those in people's cars so there's so there's safe social distancing um we have you know people that are checking on their elderly neighbors in their neighborhood um every week and it's a simple you know <laughs> it's a simple disinfect your fingers push the doorbell step back about 10 feet and say, hey, how you doing? Do you need anything? Can I go to the store for you? Wow. Um, and that's just, that's just, even if they don't need anything, the fact that somebody's thinking of yes. them Absolutely. is encouraging. And it's such a simple thing. You know, again, it's, it's in the small stuff 
we uh, we just keep chopping wood and carrying water in the name of Jesus. Amen. For those um, of us who um, are listening, I I really trust that God would challenge each of us who are listening to ask, what are those small things that we could be doing? It's 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 not just the big things. There are big things that groups like First Christian Church can do, but there are small things that each of us can do. And I would pray that God would open the hearts um, of all of us today to just say, Father, open my eyes, open my heart to the things that I can do. It might be a kind word to the person behind the cash register. Um, It might be just a kind word to somebody who looks discouraged. Um, But it's those small things that, that reflect the love of Christ for those around us. Chuck, what are some of the other uh, things that you're encouraging your people to do? Uh, I think I think right now one, one of my big concerns and messages is to ask our people, what if? You know, we we tend to think this this is a temporary issue; it's going to blow over soon, and so we just put life on hold, we push pause, and and don't do much just knowing that life is going to get back to what we think is normal soon. But what if this was our new normal? What if we could no longer meet in our church buildings? What if we could no longer meet in large group gatherings? Um, and there, and it had nothing to do with the coronavirus. You know, maybe the communists took over, the atheists took over. What would we do? Would we just lay down and die? Mm. No, we, we would we would find ways, I hope, like our brothers and sisters around the world have to stay in community and keep being the people of God. And so my my challenge to our people is don't wait. Stay busy. Look for what God's doing. Do it now. If you're a group leader, keep your people together. Use the technology that's available to you with Zoom and Windows Teams or Skype or whatever and keep your groups together in community. Study, pray for each other, encourage each other, serve those around you, we cannot push pause on how we live out our faith. Mm. And um, I think that God wants the American church, which is very soft. We have never endured persecution like most of our brothers and sisters around the world. He wants to deepen our faith. He wants to show us that we can be his people without all the frills. And maybe we can be stronger without them. Um, you mean it's possible I, I to be God's that, people without a pipe organ? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I, by the way, I'm not downplaying a pipe organ. I love it. I love organs, and uh, especially the pipe organ. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I think that would be uh, that'd be my my encouragement, and I think that our our people that have stayed engaged. You know, they're they're staying connected to what their church is doing, to the church's messaging. They're staying connected to their small group. They're looking around for what they can do. They're volunteering, staying busy, serving. Um, they have they've found a deepening joy of being a follower of Christ at this time that goes beyond the um, the trappings of the American church and. Um, 
that's thrilling to me. I grieve for those who haven't because I think they're missing out on what God is trying to do in the church in America right now at this time. Amen. And he's always at work. That's what Jesus said. That was Jesus' way of finding his true north. He said, my father is always at work, even to this very day, and I, too, am working. I do whatever I see my father doing. Amen. Now, that's, Amen. What, that's what we need to do as his people also. Chuck, can you, can you um, think of a, uh, an example in, in your, your pastoring of First Christian Church of a result? Now, we've been talking about what our people are doing. What, what would be one or two stories of, of the consequences of reaching out in the lives of people who otherwise would not have been touched by Christ's love? Um. Wow, where to begin? Um, our uh, our community in Sunny Slope, the schools there know that FCC has their back. Um, they call on us quite frequently to help with needs that they have that they can't meet on their own. And like what? What kind of needs? Like like even uh, hey, we're the school district, Washington Elementary School, has discovered that. A lot of their f- children's families don't have computers, and so we're going to distribute some laptops so our children can keep studying during this stay-at-home time and communicate with their teacher. So we need we need volunteers to help distribute those on a certain day. We need water. How simple is that? So, you know, again, it's it's not this huge thing, but... Yeah, okay, so we dropped off a few cases of water for those people while they distributed laptops. Right. Very simple. Um, people that are uh, sick and can't get out, we're running to the pharmacy for them, um, delivering food to them. <clears throat> um, even our support groups like Celebrate Recovery that's full of uh, the previously incarcerated community that makes up a lot of First Christian Church right now because of our prison ministry. You know, those people need to stay in recovery, and so our care pastors learning how to connect them with conference calls and Zoom, and uh, so that kind of thing can keep going. That that touches people. Any effort, phone calls. Um, I think uh, just, you know, and, and giving people an opportunity to serve. Hey, what can I do? Well, uh, we need to go to, we need as many people as we can to go to market on the move on Saturday morning and get get 40 pounds of food for 10 bucks. Can you do that and um, bring it to the food pantry so we can repackage it and distribute it? And we've had dozens of people help us with that. Just, Just simple tasks that that help round out our lives and can bring fulfillment and meaning when we're doing them for others. Okay. Chuck, you're a senior pastor. You're in Phoenix, Arizona. What counsel, in regard to the things we've been talking about this morning, what counsel, what advice, what encouragement would you give to other pastors here in the Phoenix area? Um, I would, I would say, 
resist the urge, resist the pressure to reconvene your large group gatherings too soon. Um, we want to communicate a message of compliance, not defiance at this time. And um, set aside their constitutional rights and freedoms that they're talking about for the benefit of others, for the protection of others. And it doesn't matter if you agree with the danger of this virus. It doesn't really matter if we, if we think that we've overreacted. That's not our call to make. Our call is to um, figure out how we can serve, how we can communicate God's love at this time. And that would be my encouragement to other pastors. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. We've been meeting um, with uh, Chuck Foreman, who's the senior pastor of First Christian Church here in Phoenix, Arizona. And Chuck, thank you for sharing with us. And my prayer is that God would continue to give you the strength to persevere and to be a model for other churches here in the valley. God bless you. And may each of us again ask the question, Father, what is it that you want me to do today? Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their community. Today's testimony of God's love not only inspires us, but now we ask God how he wants us to demonstrate his love in a similar way with others in the church towards our neighbors. Also consider sharing the kingdom and its story with others through the media tab at harvestfoundation.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.